So we made $25,000 in, in the last month since we started. At Founder, we're on a mission to democratize entrepreneurial education and on our way to building one of the largest online schools in the world for entrepreneurs. We interview some of the greatest founders of our generation to find out how they did it so you can too. However, in this series, we're doing things a little differently. We're working with our own students in our community who are deep within the process of building our own successful business. These are the founders of tomorrow, who've stood where you are and are on the way to building the business of their dreams. Now, before we jump in, our lawyers have told us to tell you this. Of course, we can't guarantee you'll have the results like some of our stories are about to share in this show. And as you know, with any business, it's a lot of hard work in addition to completing any online course. And with that said, welcome to From Zero to Founder. Shay, thank you so much for taking time of your day to sit down with me and speak to me about your journey. Why not begin by introducing yourself and telling me a little bit more about your business? Thanks, Molly. So I'm one of the co-founders at Gypsy 108, um, a sustainable activewear brand. So it's essentially uh, me and my wife who started the company about three years ago. Now, I think from the start, we were really passionate about actually shifting the dial from fast fashion to sustainable fashion. So again, my wife's background is uh, she's a fashion design fashion designer. So she studied fashion design. She used to work as a buyer uh, in the fashion industry. So again, she wanted to bring both of those elements together and create a passion project of sorts. That's how Gypsy One Way started in 2018. Now, my background is more the business side of things. So I work in strategy. Um, I've done an MBA. I'm an engineer by profession. So again, uh, Together, I think we make a fairly good team. So she does the creative things. I do the business and operational side of things. And uh, yeah, we, we try and bring that together as far as possible. Now, like I mentioned, sustainability was um, very important to us and it was at the core of literally everything we did. So starting from the uh, manufacturing plants that we reached out to. So we wanted to make sure like the working conditions were good um, uh, wherever we did manufacture, the fabrics were sustainable. So we, we actually handpicked fabrics all the way from Italy. Now, while these were really expensive to import into Australia, I think that was a trade-off we were ready to make because, again, we were really passionate about changing the way people looked at fashion as opposed to it just being a short-term investment to, in, into a long-term investment piece that you can actually wear for years and seasons to come. So our motto is basically creating timeless, seasonless pieces. So it's not something that's bright and colourful that, needs to keep changing every color as the seasons change so again we we try and um, go with like uh, monochrome and more of those new palettes which again are seasonless uh, and with a focus on like couture details of of the product now once that takes care of like the product side of things but then again sustainability is not just the manufacturing and the uh, uh, fabrics itself. There, there was so many more elements. So I think the more we researched, the more we learned about how bad things are currently and how, how people are, I wouldn't say oblivious to it, but there's a lot of greenwashing happening in the industry. And I think that's something which we, again, I wouldn't say we want to educate people on because again, we are learning ourselves. So I think the way we, we I would put it is we're trying to create more awareness about it because um, Again, if, if you see the word uh, sustainable, I, I, I'd, I'd actually encourage you to read up a little more about what exactly the brand does mean. So 
the three main pillars that we focus on. So one is the manufacturing itself. The second is the shipping. And the third is the conditions under which the uh, garments are actually made. So manufacturing process is probably like the biggest actual impact on, on like global warming and things like that. Because the amount of water, uh, petroleum that actually goes into creating uh, synthetic fabrics is, is immense. So we partnered with um, a company called Aquafil uh, out of Italy. So they make a fabric called Econil, uh, which is basically recycled nylon uh, uh, that's made from discarded fishing nets and other ocean waste. So what they do is basically try and remold that into something that can actually be used infinitely. So while it's still nylon in, in the sense that it's, it's not going to decompose, but you it's back to the purity of the original nylon and it can be recycled infinitely so that way it's basically giving it multiple lives uh, and it doesn't need to go into a landfill now that takes care of the uh, manufacturing side of things the second was shipping so shipping again um, is an incredibly uh, uh, i'd say uh, onerous task on on the environment because the amount of emissions that come from ships and uh, especially air freight air freight is probably 300 times more uh, uh, carbon uh, emitting than uh, carbon dioxide emitting than ships just based on the weight to uh, emission ratios but again people are so taken up with express shipping uh, that we actually need to make sure that we can fulfill that demand while still offsetting that in some form so we partnered with uh, DHL who's our international shipping partner with their go green initiative so we're one of the first uh, adopters of that initiative which basically offsets the carbon emissions um, by buying credits with uh, wind and solar farms um, to basically make sure that every uh, all the emission that's used from it shipping from our door to our customer's door is offset or negated in a form, which I think, again, is, is very powerful. And we would like to see more of the industry shifting and adopting things like that. Uh, the third element is obviously the uh, people that make your garments or the people behind your garments. So we need to make sure that they have great working conditions and uh, were paid well over the minimum wages in their country. So we um, manufacture in Bali, Indonesia, uh, where we found, uh, let's say a boutique is not a massive production facility, but they are very passionate about their people. It's a small um, setup, but uh, we, we've seen how they work. Their, their families are taken care of. They have medical insurance for their family and kids. Uh, they're paid well over the minimum wages. They get fresh meals every day. They get paid double for any overtime work on the weekend. So again, we were really happy with the way things were set up, even though it costs us a lot more to partner with them in Indonesia compared to, let's say, some manufacturers in China. There was just not enough transparency for us to be comfortable working there, which is why we, we, we've opted for Bali, Indonesia. I think it's really great because you and your team definitely are quite the dynamic duo in terms of her background and your background to make this come to life. And I did have a little look on your website and your pieces are definitely stunning. So the creative elements that you have, the couture-like elements, as you mentioned, is really great. And to know that they all come from a sustainable source in more than just one way, as you touched upon then, is really inspiring. And I think a lot of people listening might even be like, wow, there's more ways that I could probably make my business or my future business more sustainable. So thank you so much for sharing on that. Thank you. Um, in terms of, you know, your packaging and things like that as well, I know that you've taken a sustainable approach in biodegradable bags, 
um, and other elements like that. Would you like to quickly touch upon also that side of your sustainability initiative with your um, brand Gypsy 108? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, like I said, I think it's so important. Like the more we learn that, oh my God, like plastic actually takes two, more than 200 years to decompose, synthetic fabrics take so much time to decompose. We want to make sure we find out every element possible. Now, I'm not saying we're perfect. We're, there's still so much more for us to learn and keep getting better at. But I think the first thing was our packaging um, over and above the fabric. So we use a, a material called cassava. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a plant-based uh, packaging, um, basically. So it, it decomposes, I think, uh, about three months after you use it, which in a way is good and bad because, again, we don't, we don't want to keep it for too long either because then it starts deteriorating. But I think, again, it's a trade-off we make. So we ensure we never overproduce. So we, we always use limited production runs. So we make about 30 pieces per style just to understand what our customers want, what they like. And that way we're not keeping too much inventory. We're creating that demand in, in a sense as well. And the uh, exclusivity of the pieces that we create, which again, um, then helps us understand what people want, what they don't want. Because again, we're a very young brand still at Gypsy 108. So it's important for us to really understand what our consumers want and, and try to cater to that before we try scaling. But I think, again, me and my wife are very passionate about making sure we always limit the amount we create because we want to make sure we, there is a home for everything that we create. So I think just yesterday, actually, we, we donated uh, all the unsold pieces from our previous collection. Now, I know it's Black Friday season. Everyone's going crazy. Like It's not even a day or a week anymore. It's like the whole month is Black Friday month. But again, I think we felt we needed to take a stand and swim against the tide. So what we've done is we've actually donated all our unsold pieces as opposed to putting them on clearance and trying to make some money out of that. But again, it's a financial hit that we take, but I think we were comfortable with that because at the end of the day, if we don't take those tough decisions, I don't think we, we can actually make that change in the industry as well. Now, again, it's, it's probably a blip in the ocean right now at this stage, but I'm hoping as we grow, um, we, we can basically scale it and, and push that messaging out to more people. And again, I'm not saying we, we need to be the number one brand for everyone, but I would encourage people to actually go to their favorite brands and ask the same of them to actually spread more awareness about how important this is. Given a time that is so dependent on, you know, making quick money and making quick sales, the fact that your wife and, and yourself and your brand, you've donated it, just goes to show like you really are trying to, to implement you know, less fast fashion and, and waste into the world, which is incredible. And I applaud you both for that. And as you mentioned, it's a small step now, which will create such a bigger impact, I'm sure of. But with your your both of your backgrounds, how do you feel your expertise mash well together? Is it you coming up and helping her with different elements in the design process and what's going to market really well or the strategy side of things? Or how do you guys kind of balance both of your um, expertise and your skills? Uh, that's a great question. That's actually a bit of both because, again, we're, we're probably both our sound, sounding boards as well. So we live in the same house, we're married, and we run a business together. So sometimes we're at loggerheads, but at other times we basically try and make sense of what the other person's trying to say. So if there's a new design she's working on, uh, she'd often just run it by me and say, hey, does this make sense? Do you think this will do well? And I'd be like, oh, yes, maybe no. But then, again, I, I try and put myself in her shoes as opposed to saying, because obviously I'm not going to wear the active wear, but I try and look at what our co competitors are doing constantly 
because again, I think understanding what the market is doing and where they're heading is critical for us as a business. So based on that, I can I can actually gauge and say, yep, I think this looks good. This might be game changing and things like that. Uh, whereas on the business side, again, uh, I, I look after like all the um, strategy, go to market, any campaigns that we're running and obviously try and get her inputs because again, she is technically a target consumer. So when I'm thinking as a copywriter or um, as a marketer, again, I need to get uh, into like the brain of, of my target consumer to understand a little more about them, what motivates them, what is it that they're looking for? Because I, I think a lot of research that I read about is like people love the idea of being sustainable and buying sustainable products, but aren't willing to pay that premium just yet. Now, it's one of two reasons. And one, they don't uh, understand enough about what that premium is due to like uh, as a quick example so like the fabrics we use so uh, today your typical synthetic fabric is anywhere between one to three max five dollars a meter the fabric that we use is about 28 to 32 dollars so it's almost like 10 times more expensive than um, the, your regular fabric so when you see something what's half priced or like very cheap i i'd encourage you to think twice because again one the inputs that go into it um, would, would be of a different quality. Now, it, it's definitely not going to be sustainable. Now, to achieve sustainability, again, you need economies of scale. But I keep telling uh, my wife that the point is you don't want that scale because that's the whole thing. Right? We want to create lesser so we don't need to keep buying more. So it kind of defeats the purpose. But all we're trying to say, we're not going to be a mass market product ever. We want to like find our audience which is basically passionate about sustainability and how, how do we really um, cater to them and and their needs essentially and hopefully that 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 pool keeps growing with, with the evidence because again fashion is one element so i think uh, it's probably the third largest polluting uh, after so it's more than aviation and shipping combined which when you think of it, it's actually a really big uh, dent in, in the environment. So if, if that's a lever that we can use to actually make a change, um, I think why not? So that, that's basically our, our mission. Yeah, I, I love your mission. I can definitely see why so many consumers would also really applaud you for what you're trying to do in, in, in luxury activewear because there is so many activewear brands it's very oversaturated at the moment so I think doing your part to, to stand out and and be a little bit different in that aspect is incredible so I applaud both you and your wife for doing this um but to touch it no so that's fine I think it's great but to touch upon some other aspects that you mentioned in terms of campaigning I have looked at your Instagram and I've looked at your um your website and both are so polished and so clean and they represent your brand really fluidly in terms of the luxury aspect when you're creating campaigns based on you know different marketing tactics to try and I guess showcase a little bit more of expensive pieces how have you kind of structured that to the everyday consumer to say this is how you can invest in these pieces but making it something that's you know easily consumed yeah, so I think that's, again, a great point, right? Like where you're basically saying, how do we justify the premium on, on each product today? But uh, like the creative side is all my wife. So like Instagram, the, the look and feel, she won't let me get anywhere close to that. She, she might ask me every now and then if, if things look nice, but uh, I know that's something she's a, an expert on. So I let her 
do her own thing there. Uh, but yeah, that definitely helps, like the quality of the creatives, the focus on the details. So like we try and zoom in on the products as much as we can. Um, we try and talk a lot about the uh, fabrics and um, the uh, manufacturing setup. So I, I, it's probably more through stories or some of the highlights you could be able to see. We, we say like we like paying a premium for these elements so uh, like the, i think we, we've written a blog as well in terms of why um the economies of scale play such a big part in sustainable fashion so unless you get to that volume you're not going to get um, the kind of pricing you get today on regular clothes now which is fine it's totally fine for us like we, we, we are happy to pay that premium now we try not to pass too much of that onto our customers because again, we need to be, at the end of the day, we're trying to run a business and we need to be mindful of what the competition is doing. So I won't name names, but most of our competitors are more or less in that same price range. Now they're doing that with a far, uh, I wouldn't say far, uh, less quality product, but uh, they're not sustainable most parts. And even if they are, it's a little bit of greenwashing in terms of, just like a tick box. Uh, again, I, I think we try to run in our own way. We, we don't try and get too concerned with what they're doing, but we try and make sure we're not too far from the mark in terms of pricing. Because again, we're not trying to extort people for their for their money. We, we want to run an honest business. So we try and keep our margins fairly, fairly um, consistent in terms of what we're doing. Like we're not profitable yet. And I don't think we'll be profitable anytime soon. But again, the idea is, that we're in it for the long run. So we're not looking at, at, at a quick win just to make money and, and get out of the business. We're genuinely here to make a change and make a dent in people's perspective of, of what sustainable fashion looks like. And if that means we're not going to make an awful lot of money, so be it. But again, I'm, I'm hoping with word of mouth and, and basically trying to get our name out there. So Facebook ads has been really helpful. In, in, in trying to get us to the next stage. Because the first stage was understanding what people wanted. Uh, the second stage was trying to give them that and then get their feedback. And again, we, we tried to survey about 50, 60 people even before we started just to understand what they they valued in, in a luxury product and would they be um, willing to pay extra for something. So I think the biggest feedback we got was um, sustainable products sound good, but what sits behind sustainability. So again, trying to create awareness about what goes into that. So we, we try and write blogs. Again, we don't want to preach to everyone, but again, we, we try and create awareness as opposed to just saying that we are the best or anything to that effect. And, and if someone likes us and believes in what we're trying to do, uh, they actually buy. And like, to be honest, our returning customer has been incredible and we're really grateful for that. Uh, we actually also made a big statement just yesterday saying we, we will never go on sale. Now, again, that feeds back into our make less, but make better philosophy where, again, we, we try and create only what we can actually find a home for. And if there's anything excess, we, we've taken a stand saying every Black Friday, every year, we'll actually donate those excess pieces as opposed to slashing them and devaluing the products themselves. Because we believe they've, they've been priced at, at, the, at where they should be worth. And uh, we, we don't believe in devaluing that. Hey there, Nathan Chan here, CEO and publisher of Founder Magazine. If you're enjoying From Zero to Founder, 
and you want to learn from some of the greatest entrepreneurs of our generation, then I highly recommend you also subscribe and check out the Founder Podcast. We talk to some of the most successful people on the planet to discover how they're building their businesses. So you can take a front row seat as we go deep and we learn from some of the founders of brands like Netflix, Dropbox, Reebok, and so many more, and how they built these companies. You can find the Founder Magazine podcast with Nathan Chan on all podcast platforms. Make sure you subscribe. All right, now let's get back into the show. How did you actually like discover that you wanted to run Facebook ads for your business? Is it something you self-educated your, yourself on and you were like, okay, this is what we need to do in order to grow? And what were those first ads or creatives like compared to after you've taken our Facebook ads course? Yes, that's another great question. So obviously it was like one step at a time for me. Uh, initially, I started with boosting posts like most people where you see on Instagram or Facebook, the option to boost and like, yeah, why not? Let's try what that does. So we do, we try and do like a giveaway, just to try and get more eyes on our, on our brand. Now it was probably the worst idea <laughs> ever because what it did was basically boosted to people who actually wanted more free stuff, which again was not an ideal strategy, right? Because at the end of the day, we, we wanted to get people to buy the product and also get to know our brand and then see the difference in our quality versus the competition. So I learned that the hard way. But then, uh, again, I think it was so important for me to invest in learning the whole digital aspect of advertising. Because, again, uh, I, I think we, we wear multiple hats at home. It's just me and my wife. So I, I obviously decided that I would be the one to invest and learn a lot more about this. So I did a course, I think maybe about two years ago or maybe a year and a half ago. Now, don't get me wrong, it, it was a great course. It helped me understand the fundamentals. But again, I think Facebook has evolved so much over the last 18 months or so, especially this year with the whole iOS changes. And I think everything literally came to a standstill, I think around June, July-ish for us. But again, we still need to be relevant and, and make sure that we were getting in front of our target audience as far as possible, which is why I decided to invest again. And I, I came across the founder course with Nick, uh, which I thought was probably one of the best investments I've made this year. Now, again, I'm not saying that just because I'm, I'm on this uh, podcast at the moment, but I, I genuinely believe in what he's trying to say. And it's basically like you need to keep focusing on the creatives. And I think that's probably a mistake I made in the past where I find like three or four really good images and keep thrashing the shit out of it. Now, forget, uh, pardon my French, but at the end of the day, I think people get bored of seeing the same thing over and over again, especially if you're not like doing it as a full funnel where you exclude people at each stage. So one is the prospecting layer where you're trying to get in front of new people. You then have the uh, re-engagement layer, which is basically trying to, re, re I would say just, come in front of the person who's already engaged with your content. So you know that it's slightly more interested. And then the whole remarketing stage, which is basically coming in the offer and, and basically telling them why they should actually invest in, in, in your product, which again, I think was a great approach. I, I tried a version of that full funnel in the past, but I don't think I was doing it right. And uh, I think the proof is in the pudding because I think the, the last month or so, we've actually seen an incredible uptake in our conversion rates because I think we we're probably just bringing in traffic but with no real plan in terms of how to convert them so 
we looked at optimizing our page, our landing page. So I, again, I, I looked at the copywriting course as well with uh, Arman, which again, really helped me understand what a person's looking for. Because again, you just can't have a, like the, your landing page is essentially your, your last uh, call to action or a way of telling the person that this is the product for them. So how do you really make it all come together? I think was important. So the conversion rate was a big, big bonus for us. And I think that's that's really showing um, the results for us. Now, apart from that, the focus on refreshing our creatives every week or two weeks is, is also great because then people are seeing different things. They're looking at different reviews from different people. And it's not just a one-trick pony in that sense, which, again, in hindsight, it makes total sense. But I was like, oh, why, why wasn't I doing this sooner? So, again, I'm not saying... It, it's 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 running right in in the last month or so, but I, that's the reason being it's it's the whole uh, Black Friday month where people are typically looking for discounts, and we as a brand don't offer discounts. So again, I'm not expecting us to make a killing like like some of our competitors might. But again, we're completely fine with that. But I think we focus on the small wins in terms of the quality of customers coming to websites, the returning customers coming how the engagement is helping someone who probably watched a video of us six months ago coming in and converting into a buyer now. And um, yeah, I think it just makes a lot more sense. Now, obviously it might take a few more months for, uh, for me to see the full impact of it, but I can already tell that it makes a lot more sense. And the, the conversions have definitely increased ever since we had the iOS changes um, midway through this year. What have been some of the main differences in creatives now that you're doing that you weren't doing in the past that's helped you see? I think you mentioned it was something crazy like 40% conversion increase in, in, in two weeks in the server that you completed with us prior to this call. Yeah. What were some of those implementations? Yeah, so it was basically the, the review element. So like don't take our word for it, take our customer's word for it because obviously I, I, I'm a big fan of long form copywriting and uh, I think that's something which I, I really like doing. So I know Nick's first, uh, the, the prospecting says he says keeps it down to like 50 or 60 characters. I've, I try a bit of both, to be honest, but I think the biggest element was the reviews and in incorporating that into the creative itself. So today what we do is we basically have a video, uh, which is, again, we've spent a lot of money on creating that video. But again, there was no real call to action in it. Uh, what we're trying to do, so we just shot our, our new collection last week, actually. So... I was very uh, focused on telling our videographer that this is what we want. It needs to be a story as opposed to just something being really cool and with no call to action because that's what we did in the first time. We just wanted something really cool and people would say, oh, that's a cool video, but they just keep scrolling. But now with a story that someone can relate with, uh, with Activa, so what we're trying to do um, with our newest video, which should hopefully be ready in an another couple of weeks, is basically talking to how this active way can take you through your day. It helps you transition through your day seamlessly. So from the studio all the way to the high streets, uh, it's something which you can actually wear all through the day comfortably and not having to basically go in and change five times for five different things. So you start your day with, let's say, a, a Pilates session in the morning. You need to run to a, a cafe straight after, maybe catch up with a friend, uh, have a work Zoom call. So just throw on a blazer onto your bodysuit. You, you look perfect. And then basically, if, if you're looking for a night out as well, you can pair your activewear with it's some high heels or boots and you're good to go. So 
that that's basically what we've tried to do with our new video. And I think the whole element of adding those text layers as well on the video, which we probably missed in the first one, is something which I'll try and incorporate. So we'll have one which is basically like a video view campaign, just to try and tease people out in terms of what we do. But again, highlighting what it does at each stage for the person. So then say, yep, this makes sense to me. And I, I want to know more, as opposed to just saying, oh, yeah, that looks pretty, but I'll keep scrolling. And then at the re-engagement, remarketing stage, what we've done is we've incorporated the um, uh, feedback. So like all our five-star reviews onto the image itself. So even if someone's scrolling, they can see a oh, five-star product, which looks kind of familiar that I've seen before. Okay, so someone else has also tried it and they like it. So maybe something I should also look at investing as opposed to using the same image just because it's pretty at all stages of that funnel. I think that's probably been the biggest game changer. It's great that you have these different elements and you're trying different creatives. And I think that story side is really cool. I know I'd want to watch that ad, but I know <laughs> Nick, Nick always talks about hooks and you know trying to get that, that buyer in with the first couple of seconds. What hooks have you tested um, that have actually worked for you and when you've kind of created these new ads? So I've not yet tested it on the video, but um, I think right now the, the one hook that's really working is um, our five-star reviews straight off the back. So we've got a pretty image. It's basically like a video that we've created on Canva, which again, which is a great, uh, uh, I think it was a, what, what, uh, agency to place a kit that uh, Nick had suggested. We basically created a video on there. So we've got a really pretty image. And in the first second, we've got the five stars coming in and a, a pretty generic review about our brand as a, as a whole. So it's basically uh, one of our customers saying how they discovered us as a new brand, love our ethos, love our customer service, and basically tell all their friends about it, which basically, again, it, it's not us trying to sell very hard, but I think that speaks volumes where if someone else is vouching for you with their friends and we try and amplify that in some form in, in terms of that video uh, and then close with, with a really strong image of the product as well, I think that's probably been the best combination really. Um, but in terms of the hook, I, I think that hook is what uh, we'll try and incorporate in our new video uh, where we basically try and make something which people can actually relate to as opposed to just saying, oh, that's some model where some really good thing. Uh, I can't relate to that. So I think it's really important for us to be relatable at the end of the day. In terms of your ads and, and the way it's developing since, you know, the iOS crashing, how have you managed to recover since that kind of standstill, as you mentioned, um, in your conversion rates in particular, or even your return on ad spend? I, I think it's just one word. It's creative, creative, creative. Like, I, I don't know any better way now. Like, I've tried multiple things. Like I, I've probably burned so much money on Facebook. Like I've got a Facebook rep as well who tries and works out new things with me. But I think it's 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 almost like gambling at some stage. Like for the lack of a better word, because no one really knows what to expect. I I don't think if anyone says, "Oh, if I put this, I'm going to get this guaranteed," I think they're probably kidding themselves. But I think you're giving yourself the best chance at success by ensuring you've got the best creatives out there. So again, it, it is an auction model. So at, at the end of the day, if your budgets don't really like come close to what your competitors are doing, the only advantage you'd have uh, as a marketer yourself is your creative. So making sure 
your creative is going to stand out from in anyone's feed, I think is really your best shot at, at recovering from the whole iOS changes. Mm-hmm. That's very, very, very true. And as you pushed again, creative, 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 I 100% agree with that. Um, and I touched upon just before, but how is your return on ad spend going in terms of like your scalability as well? So to be honest, uh, like the attribution's probably not been the best now. I, I know Nick's got a really cool model in terms of trying to look at the seven-day attribution window. I've probably not gone into that detail uh, at the moment, but what I look at is the hard uh, revenue coming in. So obviously we, we're not really um, trying multiple channels. So I've tried Pinterest in the past, but we didn't see the returns we wanted. I've got a retargeting um, uh, campaign on, on Google uh, Google ads, but that's about it. So like I'd say 90% of our ad spend today goes into Facebook. So I know there's no real way apart from the Facebook ads contributing to the sales. So as long as the sales keep coming through, even if I can't see the attributions necessarily there, I, I, I'm not that worried. Now the ROAS is anywhere between 1.5 to 6, depending on the campaign and how long it's run. But again, I focus on the um, actual value that we get in, in, in sales every day. And that's what's been increasing day on day ever since uh, we've tried these new strategies which is incredible. If you don't mind me asking and you're happy to share, what has your revenue been like since implementing these these new changes? Is there any milestones that you've reached or want to reach? So we're up 36%. So we made $25,000 in in the last month since we've uh, started. That's basically a 36% increase over the same time uh, before that, uh, the previous month. And I think for me, again, the dollar is not that important. It's the conversion. So we were hovering at almost like 0.7 to 0.9 earlier, which was terrible for our industry standards. Now, again, it could be because our products are more expensive than our competitors and things like that. But again, I just think those are excuses I would make for myself. But I think by bringing in quality uh, uh, audience and actually showcasing why they should invest with us with that entire review piece, uh, I think that's what's really helped us reach the 1.4 mark. And I, again, I think this is only going to increase further as we go deeper and deeper and get that word of mouth and um, more reviews basically from our existing customers. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that's amazing that you've made a such amount of revenue since even implementing these only a month ago, which is a testament to you and your research and your hard work as well. But also the 1.4 present conversion is 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 great and I think once again a testament to you your wife and and all the hard work that you've put into this but you've mentioned also how you've undertaken or starting to undertake a copywriting course and I'd love to hear from you in your own words how you think copywriting can elevate messaging and the importance of copywriting oh, I, I think it's probably everything right at the end of the day because if, if you're if you're let's say if you take a parallel in in a retail environment you go into a store you can either talk to the salesperson and understand a little more about the product or just pick it up, try it for yourself and, and, and basically see if, if you like it. Whereas in an online setting, you don't really have any of those luxuries. So the only way you can appeal to someone um, or to their emotions is basically using words. Now, again, if you just focus on the features and basically say, buy my product because it's the best or it's got X, Y, and Z, they're probably going to fall on deaf ears because, again, they've probably heard that multiple times before and not really interested. 
So what I do now is using that fab methodology that Aman talks about. So it's basically start focusing on the benefits first. So basically try and put yourself in, in, in the target consumer's shoes and understand what benefits that they would actually get from your product and work backwards from there. So benefits then come to the advantages and the features. So the features basically, are, let's say, moisture wicking, uh, sustainable fabrics, et cetera, et cetera, which again means nothing to a consumer. But what is the advantage of that is, is basically one step closer to saying, okay, this is something you can wear all day or it's really comfortable and takes you through uh, X, Y, Z. But then if you go to the benefits, you're basically telling them you're helping us shift the dial from fast fashion to sustainable fashion by actually investing in these pieces. They're like, oh, wow, okay. So I'm not just buying something for the short term. It's something that's going to last me longer. I'm paying a little more for it. But again, it, it, it's a premium for something that I'm not going to probably throw out in, in three or six months like uh, my, the rest of my activewear. So I think that's that's something which is really hit, hit the nail on the head where, again, you pr present the problem that's currently in the market or, or that the person's facing, try and come in with the solution and then showcase the brand as opposed to just saying, hey, this is my brand, bye, bye, bye. So I think that's, again, been a really good uh, element to come in with the ads because, again, it's not just... I think looking at it through one lens is, is just not enough. You do need to look at uh, multiple things because, again, there's so many variables. People uh, are quite finicky. You have so many abandoned cards. And really, I think the only thing you have is 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 words to basically try and convince someone. And, again, the messaging with our abandoned cards, I've really leveraged what Oman mentioned, where, one, you're basically telling them, trying to create a sense of urgency, saying, look, we only do create 30 pieces, so we'd hate for you to miss out. Uh, second stage, we basically offer 10% first, first time customer discount. So that's the only discount we'll ever offer. And the third one is we're basically saying before you go, at least read our blog about uh, what sustainable fashion truly means. So even if they don't decide to buy from us, we're hoping they take away some value from uh, all the time they've invested in, in our brand and finding out a little more about us to have almost like a successful ad it's the copy and the creative that work harmoniously together which is great advice to give anyone listening is you know maybe if you're falling short in one aspect look towards copywriting you know if you're really strong at copywriting maybe look at different creatives and I think that's great that you've really relayed that to those that are listening and working towards wrapping up I'd love to know do you feel your business would be, you know, as successful as it is today without the help of, you know, Facebook ads and copywriting and those sort of elements? Oh, definitely not. Like, I think uh, people will be kidding themselves if, if they're not on Facebook today, especially if they're an online business, because, again, it's probably the biggest platform there is. You've got literally everyone on the planet on there who've got access to internet. Now, again, finding your target audience might be slightly harder than usual, but again, there is targeting mechanisms. You've got interest-based targeting and things like that. But again, I think I really like Nick's approach. If you can do well on a broad audience level, which I'm probably yet to really master, because again, there's so much competition out there, so many sales and things like that out there. But I think if, if you can really master that broad audience, so without any targeting, uh, I think that's, that's where you know you've really got to win them. So Again, I think the creatives is probably the biggest element that's helped us in that space. And I don't think we could um, yeah, be better off without Facebook ads. Have, have I 
invested a lot of money in in Facebook as in terms of learning all the way through. Yes, but again, I think you need to invest that time and money to really understand how things work. And like anything, it continues to evolve. So we need to evolve with it. So the iOS change is probably one challenge this year. I don't know what's going to come in next year or the year after, but I think we need to keep updating ourselves and refreshing our outlook to 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 these ads and basically how we can get our brand out there. Where do you see Gypsy 108 uh, in the next three months, six months, 12 months? What are some of your goals that you hope to achieve? Um, so I think we've got an exciting rebranding actually coming up very soon. I won't let you know about it now, but in the next week or two, you probably heard about it. Um, but I think in the next three months, we really want to focus on, again, uh, so we just launched our new capsule yesterday and um, basically try and understand what people uh, like and don't like within that. And we're really looking to scale overseas as well. So I think um, we're looking at potentially um, a wholesale model as well and um, getting on a few more platforms overseas. So we've got the Iconic coming up, I think, next month, which is really exciting, which will hopefully give us a lot more scale. And again, get us in front of a lot more people. And I'm hoping that basically has a domino effect in the next six and nine months and really helps us grow from strength to strength because um, you know, I think, um, again, we, we want to go slow to go fast. I'm not, I don't want to make a million dollars in two months or three months. Uh, we're, not, we're not looking at anything like that. We want to build something that's sustainable and has a good foundation that we can really launch off. And again, hopefully help shift the industry one step at a time because again that's that's probably the most important thing uh, that we want to do with the brand yeah i can't wait to see where you guys go in the future and and hearing about the iconic is an absolutely incredible feat so congratulations to you on that but thank you you. working towards you know my last question and i always say it's one of my favorite questions which probably people are sick of hearing but if anyone (laughs) listening to this you know might be going through some changes with their business and, and wanting to approach uh, Facebook ads or copywriting, what would be some advice that you would like to bestow on them? It, it, it's a lot of trial and error. Like you might not always get it right in the first go or second or even the 10th go, but I think it's it's having that resilience to keep trying because at the end of the day, like my Facebook rep keeps reminding me, you have nowhere else to go. <laughs> it's, it's the largest platform with the largest amount of your target audience sitting in one platform. So you might hate it one day, you might love it another day, but I think learning to work with it and evolve with it is probably the most important thing. And uh, I know it's easy to give up and say, I've just burned a lot of money, but I think persistence, uh, learning, like keep learning. If there's something new out there that's working for someone else, try it. And uh, yeah, I think trial and error and and resilience, I think is probably the two two, uh, most important things uh, in in the journey ahead, I'd say. I think that's, Completely true. And thank you so much for sharing that piece of advice and sitting down and and talking with me today about Gypsy 108 and what you have in the future and everything that you've learned with Facebook ads as well as our copywriting course. So thank you so much, Akshay, for sitting down with me and I can't wait to catch up again in the future. Awesome. Thank you so much, Molly. Hey guys, we hope you're loving From Zero to Founder and you're getting a ton of value from it. If you want access to the exact free training that led today's founder to where they are now, head to founder.com slash course training or follow the link in the show notes.